Hello, and welcome to The Modern Consultant. I'm your host, Mark Aronson. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of hosting Nicole Schwegman. How do you go from driving boats in the Navy when you can't swim to becoming <laughs> the number one like correspondent between the U.S. Navy and every single national and international media outlet in the world? Everyone talks to you if they need to talk about anything having to do with the U.S. Navy. How do you then hire a uh, book writing coach? How do you then start a podcast? How do you then learn how to cook from one of the chefs that used to cook for President Bush? How do you then transition out of the Navy and then get into Hollywood screenwriting? We cover a lot in today's episode. And one of the things that you will see throughout all of everything that we talk about is just Nicole's decisive action. And really stick around till the end because she's going to share with you two things that you could do to be able to take massive action on anything that you're trying to move forward on in your life and to also how to double check within yourself whether or not the things that you say that you care about are the things that you really actually care about. Really enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. As hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. With that, I'll see you on the other side. Nicole, it is my honor that you said yes uh, to joining us here today. And for the people who, for whatever reason, who have no idea who you are, like, how, how do we even begin to describe like your background in the Navy? and like where you're going now. Let me see if I can break this down. Like, I'll try to give you a 30 to one minute uh, uh, example. So, uh, hi, I'm Nicole Schweigman and uh, I am just finishing up a 20 year career in the Navy. And I joined the Navy back in 1997. I was 17 years old. I was barely 17 years old. I was a baby. Um, and I had to get my mom sign me away and she did not want to do it. She wanted me to go to an all-girls school to be a coroner, and I don't like the side of blood. So there was a, you know, little bit of a mismatch in what we wanted. Um, and I wanted to be a war correspondent for CNN, and I thought I need some street cred. So the fastest way to do that is to go into the military. So um, I learned about the Naval Academy. I got in a miracle that I got in. I went to prep school for a year. Then I went to the Naval Academy for years, graduated, and drove ships. Um, and and thought that's what I was going to do um, and found out while I was in the Navy about this uh, career called public affairs, which was working with media, being able to like, we're the people who help the media tell the military story. Um, if you see a news story out about a military subject, one, someone like me has probably been involved in it. Um, and so once I found out about that job, I was like, I was meant to do this. This is, this is the job for me because I get to stay in the military and I get to do my passion which is deal with public relations and deal with news media and press um, and get paid pretty well too. So I did that for first four years, I drove ships. Uh, I was a ship driver, a service worker officer. Um, and then I switched over into public affairs and that's what I spent the last 16 years of my time in the Navy doing is doing public affairs. And I've done everything from, I was in Afghanistan working on the, um, uh, the, uh, public affairs team there. And then, um, 
you know, I worked at the National Security Council for a while at the White House um, as a, de a detailee there. Um, and then I just finished up my last tour here um, at the Secretary of Defense office. I was one of his public affairs officers. And now um, I'm getting out of the Navy after 20 years of a lot of adventures. And I'm moving to Los Angeles to uh, pursue a, a career in entertainment. Well, congratulations and thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, there's so many questions that I have for you <laughs> because there's 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 a piece of this where um, if I recollect correctly, you either were afraid of swimming or didn't like the ocean. Oh, I couldn't swim. I couldn't. You couldn't swim. swim. No. Yes, but <laughs> Navy. Yeah. T tell us, please tell us about that. <laughs> So when I decide I want to do something, I don't, I don't let a little thing like not being able to swim, you know, get in my way. Um, I want to say the reason I couldn't swim is I was actually terrified of the water. I had almost drowned several times as a child. And so as a result, like me and swimming didn't, you know, go together. And, you know, historically, I'll just say it, you know, as African Americans, like, once you grew up near an island or, or, or a pool was in your family, a lot of African-Americans can't swim. That's changing, thank goodness. Um, but my parents, you know, even though my dad grew up near the ocean, they didn't know how to swim. So if your parents don't swim, you don't swim. So I grew up with a fear of the water and I had parents who really didn't know how to swim. So this was not something that I thought I needed. You know, you go to a pool party, we're all just like standing around the pool. We're not in the pool. Well, to get into the Naval Academy, of course, one of the major things you have to do is swim. So I remember even trying to take lessons um, as I was applying and still not being able to swim. And it wasn't a requirement that strangely enough to join the Navy and to, to get into the Naval Academy, you do not have to swim. Um, you just have to commit to learning <laughs> how to swim. So Great. on top of all the stress of, of, you know, marching and learning how to be in the military and wear a uniform and get yelled at and all that craziness, I decided, you know what, that's not hard enough. Let's, let's learn how to swim. So every day after classes were over, because at the Naval Academy, you have to do a sport and you have to do your military training. But in addition to that, because I wanted it to be super hard for every day for an hour after classes would end, I would have to go over to the diving well, which a regular swimming pool is like eight feet deep. Now the diving well, because they want to terrify us, is 17 feet deep. And that's what we would <laughs> swim in. And you and there's no lanes, no wall to grip to. Oh. They would just make you float out there, you know. And I, I can remember thinking the first day, they were like, everybody get in the pool. And I, I didn't know how to swim. And I went over to one of the, the, the instructors and I was like, sir, I don't know how to swim. And he's like, okay, well, you're gonna have to try. And I'm like, yeah, I, there's no try. I don't know how. <laughs> and he was like, uh, you know, he was like midshipman Paul. That was my name at the time. You either get in that pool and you try or you pack your bags and you go home. And mm -hmm. I, I really wanted to go to the Naval Academy. Like this was my, my dream was to, to make it through here. And so I was like, I guess I'm getting back in that pool and I'm either drowning, I'm either drowning or I'm, I'm swimming. So I got in that pool and after, you know, like just, you know, half, you know, just drowning to death, they were like, all right, I guess you can't swim. So then I did put this. It was a little different back then. Just, just you know, it was just a whole laugh already. It was like, you know, just, uh, yeah. she's not dead yet, but, I guess you know. Dead. 
it. She looks like she can't swim. So they just, you know, they pulled me out. I was like a drowned rat. And, and then they're like, all right, you, you got to go to sub squad, which is all the non-swimmers, all the rocks is what they call this. And I, it took me a year um, to get over that fear, but I, I learned to swim in that 17 foot deep pool. Uh, and not only did I have to learn to swim, I had to pass all these tests, but I got through it, um, including a 10 meter jump. So there's this jump you have to do. Everyone has to do it. If you don't do it, you won't graduate. And I know people who didn't do the jump and didn't graduate. They are serious mm. about that. So my roommate, uh, God bless her. She was like, we're, we're not letting that happen to you. So they put me near the front of the line and I go up and it's so high, Mark, that you can look down at tourists in the windows. They are looking up at you. That's how high that jump is. I, I think it's like 30 feet. Um, wow. don't, don't quote me, but I, I think it's 30 feet. So I stood there and I got, I got terrified and I was like, I can't do this. So I start running back down. My roommate had positioned herself to the end of the line and she was like, stop her. And so all of my classmates in my company just start turning me around, pushing me back up, go, 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 go. And this other girl was like, wow, that looks far down. And they literally just ran me up to the edge. I had nowhere to go. And I jumped and screamed the whole way down, but oh. I did it. And that's uh, that's that's the that's one of the really fun things about being at the academy is your classmates have your back, um, and they just weren't going to let me fail. So even if they had to push me off a thirty foot tower, <laughs> they weren't going to let me not graduate. So I appreciate that, every every person who pushed me off that tower. That 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 is incredible. Uh, it is it is way more fun than my learning to swim story, which was me being in Florida at my uncle's. Um, <clears throat> at, at my uncle's place at the time and he my brothers were in the pool and I, I didn't know how to swim and so like I, I was I was I was blindsided by him he picked me up and he just threw me into the middle <laughs> of the water <laughs> and I remember like I was spinning and I could like see him as I was like falling and I just remember just like this fury um, before hitting the water and then just like trying to swim for my life because it was at that time that I had just learned about uh, sharks, mm -hmm. uh, and oh uh, no, that that was the primary reason why I hadn't learned uh, how to swim. Mm -hmm. And you know, if if I can see the bottom uh, of the water, then sharks. You know, and sure, it's a pool, but sharks. You know, mm -hmm. so I <laughs> that, <laughs> I make it to the other side, but the same thing. You know, it's like you know, it's like water going down all the wrong pipes. You know, and and just like feeling like. Ugh. It's, it's terrible, terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It didn't last for 30 minutes, though. Oh, um, well, yeah. yeah, that was that was I like to say I was the original waterboarded person because <laughs> I just, you know, <laughs> they were just like, I guess you can't swim. Like, yes. No, I told you. <laughs> it's just 29 minutes, not long enough. Yeah, Keep I'm going. like, like who, <laughs> who would lie about that? But OK, <laughs> oh, I guess they're like, you survived. You're fine. Like, you know, it was it was the late 90s. They were like, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be okay yeah uh, you know today, today it is much better like you know. <laughs> you know so speaking of being no stranger to uh doing difficult things you've also done something which <sighs> many women uh, uh in this world just do not do which is uh a uh, cold approach uh their husband to be you know please tell <laughs> us that story oh my gosh she's gonna be like again no um so honestly i had i had been you know i at that point i'd been deployed uh once i had served in guam 
Um, and I was a lieutenant in the Navy. And my mom, when I came back from Guam, my mom's like, you need a boyfriend. I'm like, <laughs> busy, <laughs> busy serving the nation. You know, she's still, she's still was salty about me not going to med school. So she's like, yeah, boyfriend. I'm like, okay. So I, I and I was dating people, um, uh, but no one had clicked, you know, and, and I, I was, I was really focused on my job. So I was working, that was my first tour at the Pentagon. Um, of which I didn't realize were going to be several, but that was my first tour. So my mom was like, look cute when you go out. And I'm like, ah, okay. But she had recommended this grocery store called Wegmans. And so I drove, I mean, I drove 20 minutes to a grocery store, like in what world? But I love grocery stores. So um, I just was like, okay. So I went there and I was shopping and I saw my husband walk in. I didn't know he was going to be my husband at the time, uh, but I thought he was really cute. And actually, we were both shopping, and he bumped my cart, and I smiled, and he was like, oh, sorry, and just kept on walking. I was like, oh, come on. Um, so then I saw him again in the tea aisle, and I thought, I'm just going to go stand next to him. And, like, if he says nothing, fine, but, you know, what if he says something? I'll be great. So I do. I, I go, and I stand next to him in the tea aisle. Mark, I don't even need any tea. I've got so much tea. Don't care, right? <laughs> I stand there, and, you know, I could feel him look at me, and I look over him, and I just smile. And then I look away and he says, boy, there's a lot of tea here. And I was like, yes, yes, there is. Hi, I'm Nicole. And he's like, I'm Nate. And we talked for 20 minutes. And he's like, oh, I'm new to the city. And I'm like, me too, which is a total lie. Like I was not new to the city at all. I had been there for three months and I had gone to school in Annapolis. Um, but he's like, oh, we, we should explore the city together. And I was like, that would be amazing. Here's my card. And you know, two days later, he called me, and two years later, he married me. Wow, <laughs> that I, I I never get tired of hearing that story. That's that's uh, again, it's it's just an, an incredible testimony to uh, Nicole gets it done. Uh, Schwegman, <laughs> can't swim. Doesn't matter. <laughs> no Minor husband. <laughs> Grocery store. Let's 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 go shopping. Like <laughs> I went for eggs and got a man. You know what can I say? <laughs> And That's people great. don't believe me. They're like, you've met someone in the grocery store? I'm like, yeah, I know. It's weird. But I I saw him and I just, I, you know what it is? is I didn't want to let an opportunity pass me by. Because, like, a little bit of embarrassment is nothing compared to, like, you know, now we've been together for 17 years. So, like, I just had to endure a little bit of embarrassment. And I had done that before. Like, I had, I had once, um, this is a long time ago, but in the, Washington Post, they used to do like the singles, like they did like a singles oh, yeah, feature. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I I called an editor and was like, hey, there's this guy in there. Can you set me up with him? And I did. I went out on a date with a guy that I had the editor set me up with because he was really cute. And he, unfortunately, he was moving to New York, but we had a great date. It was a wonderfully fun date. And, and the thing is, is like, I always tell people like a little bit of embarrassment is worth the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just one of the mottos I try to live by. I think that's wonderful. And the next thing that I want to talk to you about is something that you have no need to be embarrassed about um, at any point, which is I forget at what point in your career with the Navy that you were like, you know what? I'm not busy enough. So you know what I want to do? I want to take this like cooking class with, you know, the chef that used to, you know, cook for like President Bush. Was it is am I getting that right? Yep, you're right. Yeah. So like, 
how did you find the time and why did you do that? Because you didn't have enough to, 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 to tell me more, please. So, so my life is about pockets. There's, there's times, and I think this is like everybody's life. There are times in your life when you're not as busy. And then there are times in your life where you're really busy and you just kind of have to prioritize. And I say this, mm-hmm. like, look, like if you have little kids or, you know, a really rambunctious dog, but definitely like little kids, like this is a really busy time in your life. So you shouldn't feel ashamed if you can't do all the things you want to do. Right. Like I didn't, I don't have little kids. Right. Um, and I came into a job in the beginning, that job was really busy for, but for about six months, that job was like I had, I had a set time that I had that was free in the evenings. And so I happened to find this culinary school. They were doing like night classes um, and you go twice a week. Um, and I mean, I, they don't, the, the school closed, which I'm so sad about um, mm. because it was such a great school. Um, but you could go twice a week and you were there from like six to midnight, like sometimes 1am, like it was like insane. Um, but you would basically do their course but it was like stuffed into those two days. Um, but it changed the way I cook. And the reason I wanted to do it is because I always wanted to have this skill um, of being able to go into my fridge, look at what I have, and just make something. Like I didn't want to be tied to a recipe. And I wanted to have that skill. I mean, chefs have that skill. They know they go into the fridge, they know what they're doing, and, and that's that. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you that the school got me on that path, but it did take years of practice for me to eventually get to that point where now I could probably go into your fridge and make a whole meal, like a pretty good meal, not some slop either. Like, I mean, like an actually well-plated meal, but that, if I think about the training, like I've probably been practicing that for like almost 10 years, but that school got me started. So even after you go to culinary school, you're not like, just like, Oh, I'm chef. Right. Like it takes, it takes years of like practice and and training. So, um, but, but it was a great investment. Um, and I I would do it again. I would have, I would have done it in a heartbeat, but that was a six month period where I wasn't that busy. Um, in the evening times I was busy during the day. I was still the Pentagon working during the day, but I wasn't that busy in the evenings, but right towards the end of that course, I had to step in to be the, um, public affairs officer for Admiral Michelle Howard. And then I got like, ridiculously busy and and then i had no time like on once my job got too crazy again so i always advocate like when you have a like a downtime because your your life ebbs like nobody life is just like you know my even in the military my life kind of ebbs and flows and so i think that you know tried you know i looked for courses and things that fit into that time frame i was like i knew i had about six months before i had to take over this other job so I looked for something that could fit into that time frame, And so, uh, yeah, so, so it's like, it seems like I'm always busy and I am always busy because I'm always filling my time up with stuff, but I'm trying to be strategically busy where I let, you know, when I have a, when I have a flow, like when it's really fast paced, I don't do a lot of things. You may not see me for a while, but then when I have like an ebb, then I try to like increase my learning in some way. And where then, where in the timeline did bachata come into being so that's a few years later um i i just was like i really i've always wanted to dance and i wanted to learn how to dance and it seems so fun and so that was again another ebb right like so i was in a job 
I got to Hawaii and my job was really fast paced. Um, and then there was like a time frame um, that there wasn't, it wasn't that there wasn't anything going on, but there was nothing that was like causing me to stay late every single night to, to go on. So I decided, you know, it was like once a week. It started out as once a week. Um, I really liked it. And so then I upped it to twice a week, you know, and the next thing you know, you're going to the dances and the more you go, the better you get. So that was maybe like four years later after I'd gone to, to culinary school, maybe five, five years later, um, that I started learning how to bachata and it was really, really fun. So, you know, I again, saw some that, of the videos. I was like, oh, she got the moves. That's right. Ebb and flow, ebb and flow. Because after that ebb, another big flow happened again. Because now I'm also trying to remember when it, when was it that you started to like hire a book coach as well? A book writer, uh, mm-hmm. author coach? Yes. Where you wanted to start working on your writing as well. Yes. Was that before Bachata or after? Or that was, was that, that was before Bachata. Um, I think that was even before culinary school. Um, I had worked with Lisa Cron and she wrote a book called, um, Wired for Story. And it talks about how your brain wants to hear stories. And I believe that because I worked at Gallup and one of my top five strengths is, um, communication and the way I communicate is I always tell stories. Um, so I, I definitely believe that that's a, that's valid and it's valid study. She's done the research. Um, so I worked with her and I think there's a pattern that you see, like, I'm always like trying to learn something or better myself in some way. Um, and I, I, I really value using funds and, and time and, and just resources towards trying to learn and, and nothing is wasted, right? Like, you know, someone would say, why go to culinary school? Like, you know, you're not going to be a chef. Well, but I'm bettering myself, right? Like no, no learning is wasted and it is beneficial. It can be beneficial at some point in your life. It makes you more well-rounded person. So I did. Um, and I'm so glad because That'll lead into later on when I started taking classes for screenwriting. Um, but I did. I did that before I did culinary school. Because I've, I've always had an interest in creative art things. Um, and I actually hired a career coach. I worked at a career coach um, to figure out, like, what what was it that I truly liked to do? Um, and that was eye-opening. And I, I highly recommend it for people. Like, if you're not mm-hmm. sure, like, what you want to do or even just a life coach, like she was half career coach, half life coach. And she really helped me to narrow down what my values are, the type of work environment I like, um, and the types of work things I want to do. Like she didn't necessarily go, you should be this, right? But she helped me to like, here's this circle. And when I look at my life and the types of jobs I've gravitated towards, it fits. They all fit within Mm -hmm. that circle. Um, And when I'm put into a job that doesn't fit into that circle, I don't, I can do it, but it's, that I don't thrive at it. So I've made a point that I'm only going to do things that fit with my personality and fit within, you know, my preference choice. That's a perfect segue to the next question I wanted to ask you, because I could hear someone listening to this conversation and they're saying to themselves, like, sounds like she's always known what she wants to do. And so it's really great to hear that. Well, actually, you decided to work with someone to help you figure that out. Uh, as well. And so remind me again, where does the career coach fall in the timeline of everything that we've spoken about so far? So around 2017, in fact, um, it's before I started the podcast, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, So I had a friend and he had a podcast. um, And his 
you know, wife, it was an executive coach and they were trying out this new service they wanted to offer to veterans, um, which I, I, you know, wholeheartedly had, they had had the time to continue it. I would have heartily recommended it and endorsed it. Um, and what they did, it was like her and another woman who was a career coach and together what they did was they kind of helped you figure it out. The first thing was your values. Like what were the things that you, you know, I was supposed to write 36 words down and then out of those pick the top six that mattered most to me. And so things like freedom, love, beauty, you know, kindness. Um, it was, I think there was um, two other ones. I can't quite remember at the moment. Different people like, they don't have to be big values, but the biggest ones are freedom, love, kindness, beauty, um, creativity. Um, and I realized, okay, this is the type of things I want in the work environment that I'm in and the environment that I live, you know, see, I have a bunch of colorful books. Like I love, I love like, you know, art and, and music and I love like, you know, culture. And so I realized, okay, so these are the things that really like, you know, get me going. These are the things that matter to me. And then the next thing um, she had me do was, you know, I did a lot of like personality tests, you know, it turns out, of course, I'm an extrovert, um, but I have some introvert tendencies. Um, and then we did a actual like career test where we like kind of like, do you like this or do you like that? And it came up with like, I have a strong creative streak. Like I gravitate towards things like public affairs, which is what I was doing. So it's no wonder I love that job. Um, writing, directing, you know, you know, culinary arts, like things where I was able to kind of put a creative spin on. Um, it turns out I would be a terrible priest and a terrible forest ranger, which tracks because I don't love the outdoors that much. Like I don't hate the outdoors, but I don't love it. Um, and so I recommend, you know, I did it, you know, as a veteran, because I think a lot of times um, as veterans, we've spent so many years inside of this culture and nothing wrong with that culture, right? But then it's like you're on a bus, right? You're riding along, and eventually you got to get off the bus, right? And everybody on the bus is like, we'll miss you. It's been a great ride. We love you. You get off the bus, and the bus is like, bye, and the bus is gone, right? And you're just like sitting there like, oh, my God, like, oh, well, now what? Mm -hmm. And so as veterans, we oftentimes, we feel this sense of need for that nostalgia and that camaraderie and that familiarity, so a lot of veterans go back to, we become contractors or we go and we work for the government and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. One, that's where your experience is. But two, I think we miss that military culture. We mm. miss being part of the group. Um, and I knew I had gotten out like for a year, like in my career before. And I knew I felt that loneliness and that sense of like lostness. I didn't know quite what to do with myself. Um, and so this time, I knew that, okay, in about five years, I'm probably close to retiring. If I decide to retire, I want to be prepared mentally, emotionally, and I want to have like a sense of like, what do I want to do with my life? Um, because even until then, and I think we had a conversation years ago about, you're like, man, you go from one thing to another. And I, I took that to heart and it was a good observation. Like it was, a, it was like a kind of off comment, but I sat with that for a while and I was like, I do keep jumping. And I think it was because I didn't really know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And some of that's maturity, right? Like I'm older now, I have a better sense of self. Um, I love getting older because the older I get, the more I know myself and the more I mm. am, I'm happy with who I am. And so 
with some of that maturity and some of that growing older and wiser, um, I think I really realized I need help. I need help to figure out what it is that I need and what I want to do. And having someone else help me work through that, like a therapist in a way, um, I was able to really hone in on, oh, okay, I know what I want to do. So now that I'm at this five years later, when I'm getting out, I have a clear sense of what my life is going to look like. Um, I don't know what those opportunities are going to be, but I know I I am very confident in the type of environment I'm going to put up with. I'm very confident in the type of work that I want to do. Um, and I feel good about that. And I don't know that I would have been able to say that without some of that coaching. Hmm. If you could go back in time uh, to Nicole that is getting ready to join the Navy, uh, what advice would you give yourself knowing everything that you know now? Uh, don't be such a square girl. Like, you know, live a little more. Um, I very much wanted to be the best. You know, I felt like I had something to prove. One to my family because they were shocked that I joined. They were like, what? You know, um, and, and to myself, um, I felt like I had to be the best to prove that I deserved to be there. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is I did deserve to be there. I deserve to be there as much as anybody else. Um, and not only did I deserve, like I am serving the nation. Um, and so, you know, when we say service to country or sacrifice for our nation, I think people think like you got to lose an arm or get shot or, you know, have PTSD or something. And, and I don't, none of those things happened to me. Um, but what I did do is I missed a lot of birthdays and a lot of family reunions uh, and I missed I a lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot of weddings. Um, you know, and I, I missed a lot of milestones in my family's life, um, because I was deployed or I, I couldn't make it because I had to work and I couldn't get off duty. Um, you know, um, but, and sometimes that was necessary, right? But sometimes I think I stayed on the job or I, I didn't go, um, because I didn't want to seem like I wasn't committed enough. And now that I'm at the end of the 20 years, I think what I would have told myself is like, no one, no one remembers in the long run, like the people who matter to you the most will remember, but you know, no one commander who was like, your order is dedicated. You know, like, where is that guy? I don't know. Like, you know, who cares? So I would have definitely been more. I always like to say, I wish I could go back because, oh, my gosh, I would have, like, ruled the world because I would have been so much more easygoing and so less stressed and mm. more Ferris Bueller-like. That's what I would say. I should have been a little more Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Not completely Ferris Bueller, but a little more. On the job, in life, or both? On both. Both. Mm. You know, there were, there were adventures I didn't take. There were... um there were jobs I didn't take. There were, you know, I, I, I think I would have, I think I would have taken a job in Japan right out uh -huh. of uh, college, but I was scared, you know, I was scared to leave my family. Um, yeah. and I mean, you know, look, should have cut it water, right? Like I still had a fantastic career and a lot of great times, but I would have been bolder. So if I can tell anyone out there who's at my age, like be bolder, like no, no one ever like, you know, be bolder, love harder, you know, um, you know, don't be like crazy, but it's okay to be a little, a little more bolder than you think. Like, again, it goes back to that embarrassment. It's just like, you know, a few minutes of embarrassment for a lifetime of like benefit. Mm. What would that, what, what the job in Japan would have been? 
oh, I just would have been on a ship in the, I, I went to Florida was my first ship and, and, and totally fine. Um, but I would have been on a ship in Japan. Um, oh. and I just would have lived overseas. Like I had grown up overseas, but I'd never been to Japan and I really wanted to go, um, there. And I wanted to go to Hawaii and I was scared to go that far away from my family because even at the academy i was only three hours from home so mm-hmm. moving that would have i would have been so far from my mom um and i was a mama's girl so you know i was scared to leave her but after the the florida after i lived in florida i moved to guam um and i remember i got off the plane i didn't know anybody my my sponsor picked me up she ended up becoming a really really amazing friend but that first night, like, I remember crying into her cat because I was so lonely because I was like, I made a mistake. And I called my mom and I was like, I think I made a mistake. And she's like, you absolutely made a mistake. And I'm like, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to make me feel better. And she's like, well, I'm telling you the truth. And I'm like, oh, my God. So this cat was like, what is going on? It's me just like cuddling this cat and crying into this cat and this cat's like this is awkward so <laughs> <laughs> and also your mom clearly keeps it real because she's, you need a man uh, <laughs> you made a mistake like <laughs> no, just... <laughs> no 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 softness like just 100 percent real but i ended up loving that tour and and once i got used to it and i built a family on that island like that tour really matured me and I, you know, that's when I started really feeling like, oh, I'm an adult. Like, okay, I can, I'm adulting. <laughs> and I, I think everyone, you know, I, 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 it's hard today because a lot of people can't afford to move out with their parents. So I totally understand. But if you can afford to move out and you have the opportunity, I highly recommend it um, because there's just something about once you have to stand on your own two feet and pay your own bills, um, and and do your own thing like it it, there's just something about it and i know you know what i mean mark like once you leave your parents house you're like i'm an adult and you have to do adult things and it's strange because it's strange to tell yourself that like now i you know like i'm an adult but and i i know that but back then i still felt like a child it was not Mm. until i had really left the nest and had my own furniture and my own i had to cook myself dinner like oh, I'm an adult. Like I have to pay bills on time. I have to do these things. And I just think it's a, it's a fundamental, it was a formative time for me to really stand on my own two feet. And I think a lot of my confidence came from the fact that I was like, I'm going to live alone. I'm going to have my own place. I'm going to decorate it the way I want. I'm going to, you know, I have to clean up. I have to do chores. Like I'm going to be a grown-up. I relate. I was 16 turning 17 when I moved to the United States uh, with mm-hmm. no family around. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I, I yeah. 100% relate. Uh, yeah, to... that's terrifying. You know, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to leave. Like, I, I was terrified, but I had to do it. I had to do it because I knew, I knew on the other side, things would be better. I, I mm. would, I would be better for it. And if we time skip yet again, like, besides bachata, Besides cooking, uh, besides uh, book writing, uh, there's also the podcast that you launched. Yes. Tell us the podcast story. So after doing, you know, the whole life coach thing, and she was like, you're a creative person, you should do creative things. I thought, 
I want to start this journey now. Like I, I want to, to explore what type of creative life I want to do. Um, and so, you know, if you ever want to try out a job, that's a full-time job, as you probably are aware that pays you no money, you should start a podcast. Um, <laughs> cause it's a lot of work. I respect anybody. I respect anyone who does a podcast because I did my podcast for five seasons and oh my gosh, it was like a second full-time job that I paid for. Um, but I loved it. I would do it again. Um, and it was about bringing my love of cooking and my love of food. I mean, I was the ultimate like chef fan and being able to interview all of these amazing food bloggers and chefs. You know, I just had one of my guests call me today. Um, he's a chef who's up in Napa Valley. He's heading to France for a week. Um, and he, he, you know, he got into wine and that's a, not only did I do the podcast for just the love of like food, it was a creative outlet for me. And I made all these great, amazing friends. And I still talk to a lot of those people. They're wonderful. And it, it just got me out of my comfort zone. And it, and it was uh, something that I could point to later on and be like, I did that. I made that. Like, I tried something new. And maybe I wasn't going to be good at it. But so what? A little bit of embarrassment, right? Because I was definitely like, if you listen to my first podcast, oh, cringeworthy right Aww. but so what but so what right no nobody but me is critiquing myself that hard like people mm. don't think about you that much one thing i always tell people or i tell my the people who i mentor i tell them no one just thinks about you that much like people might stare for a few minutes and then move on with our lives um and i tell myself that too like a little bit of embarrassment for a whole lot of reward like it was a little bit embarrassing to release my first podcast but I can't tell you how many people who I worked with were like, I love your podcast. Like even like admirals were like, Hey, my wife listens to your podcast oh, and cool. she loves it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, thank you. And, and so, and then people were like, can you know our season? I wanted to quit after season two. Oh. <laughs> and I did three more seasons because people, as soon as I would like end the season, people were like, I can't wait for season three. And I'm like, mm. dang it. Like, but it was a really fun. And by the time I finished, I had a whole system. The reason I stopped the podcast is because remember I had an ebb. I got back into a flow. I had a new job um, and it just took off and I just could not balance um, the time between the podcast um, and, you know, doing my job. And that's okay. Like things happen for a season. So, but I love that podcast. It's still up. Uh, BFF with the chef. If anyone wants to go listen to it, um, I promised I would keep it up. Uh, and it, it was, it was a, it was a labor of love and I would gladly mm. do it again. Uh, that is an incredible story and somehow feels like a prelude to the next creative outlet, which is now turning into a professional outlet. Uh, tell us about Hollywood screenwriting. What's going so, on there? So the, the secret is I always wanted to write for TV. I just didn't think I could break in because I didn't know anybody, you know, like, look, there wasn't always guys, there was not always like Google, like, you know, and you couldn't Google, if you Google how to be a screenwriter, they give you some real basic tips and that was it. Like, that's not going to get you in. But I happened to be in a wedding with a guy who is now a really great friend. His name is David. And he was a screenwriter and he had a screenwriting partner, but he was also a Navy public affairs officer. He's a reservist. And we just struck up a friendship. And finally I said, David, I want to write for TV. And he couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he was like, here's how you get started. Here's what I'd recommend. Here's what you can do. 
and just helped coach me along. Um, and so I started this journey really seriously. I mean, I'd always been writing, but I really seriously like, okay, I'm going to learn the form. I'm going to do the work. And I started that like late 2019, early 2020. And I took about eight classes between 2020 and 2022 um, on screenwriting and just, you know, perfected and wrote and wrote some more. And then finally this last year, because I knew I was retiring, I applied to the Veterans Writing Project, which is mm -hmm. run by the uh, Writers Guild Foundation. Um, and they host, I want to say about 40 to 50 vets for free. Wow. They get some really heavy hitters. Like my, one of my mentors is an Emmy, uh, an Emmy winning, uh, TV writer. Um, and they mentor you. Yeah. And, and really you write a script with them, you get feedback, you know, you get advice about the business and breaking in. But the best thing is you get to network with people who are actually doing the thing you want to do. And so mm -hmm. I've been doing that for this past year. I'll end here in May. Um, and I'm moving to Los Angeles and next month. So I am really committed to it. I'm also um, applying to a job uh, with the Marine Corps to work in their entertainment office. And hopefully um, I'll get that um, because I'm, re I'm really excited if I can get into that um, because I have a passion for showing um, to telling stories about the military. And that's, that's my genre as I write military mm -hmm. fiction um, and dramas. And I have a passion for I want to see myself on screen. I want to see my stories on screen, and, and not specifically me. I don't want to be an actor. What I mean is I want to see people of color, people who are underrepresented. You know, I want to see their stories uh, and their stories in the military on the big and small screen. Hmm. So, what's your earthquake plan, though? Oh, I'm just gonna shake it. With, I'm just gonna roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I lived in California before, and we just people. I true story. I've slept through earthquakes. Like what? We, yeah. <laughs> oh, we had two in Hawaii. I didn't even know. I was like, what? <laughs> I that saw is my, wild. I woke up. Some of my um, my uh, pictures on the wall were askew, and I was like, oh, I, I think we had an earthquake, and I, was, I slept right through it. <laughs> You gotta remember, I, I slept under, I slept under like you know the launch uh, area and uh, an aircraft carrier, so okay. I can nothing wakes me. Like I, I can really sleep through a lot. So, oh man, that's 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 oh gosh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so, for someone that is maybe listening and and they're thinking to themselves like wow you know nicole is such a go-getter it seems like you know as soon as she like conceptualizes it like she's going after it like have you ever thought about um what it is that propels you forward to take action um as quickly as you do because it sounds like you you think it and you do it mm -hmm. like it doesn't sound like there's much of a delay and it's a lot of people that have trouble with that. So I think a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I, I want to credit my mom a lot with this because I watched her. You know, she had two little kids and she went to nursing school and got a degree, you know, and, and, and started working as a nurse. Um, and I never really saw her, like, say the word can't. You know, she just made it work. Um, and so I think that just drove me as a young adult to, to go forth 
you know, some of it's the Naval Academy, like, you know, we, we just, you know, they teach you a lot of resilience there and a lot of your don't give up, you know? Um, so some of that's my military background is like, just, all right, I'm going to make a plan of action on how to achieve this mission and let's go. Um, and there's not really a lot of, you know, we don't really like to fail or, you know, as they say, they say it a lot in the military, you're either going to, you know, you're going to, you know, plan to fail or, or fail, fail to plan is a plan to fail. Right. Mm -hmm. So you try. Um, I think the other thing just as a personal setting is that, um, you're really only six people away from the goal that you want to achieve. Um, and I, I will say it this way, like, you know, I'm one person away from Kesha. Like, I know someone who knows Kesha, right? I am maybe, you know, three people away from someone who knows Tom Cruise, right? I'm one person away from someone who knows Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Um, so you're not, you're, you're actually closer to success than you think you are. It's just how you have to plan for how you're going to get there. Um, I truly believe like, oh, and the other thing is defining what success is, right? Like for me going into the entertainment business, I am not seeking to be like an A-list star. Like that's not success for me. Success for me is I want to have a lot of fun. I want to have some really interesting experiences. Um, and I would like to be employed in some way doing entertainment. That's success, mm. right? Everything else is like gravy. That would be great, right? So, you know, you have to sort of, I, I feel like the fact of the matter is, is that if you feel like, oh, I hear so many people tell me like, oh, I want to be a screenwriter. I want to, I want to get into screenwriting. And then I ask them, okay, what three steps have you done to, mm. to, to, to start that journey? Right. And they just look at me like, what? And I'm like, okay. And, and this is just one thing I, I tell people, like people are more likely to help you if you have an answer to those three steps, well, I've taken mm -hmm. a class, you know, I've applied to some fellowships and, you know, I've written a script, right? Okay. Now I know you're serious. You have yep. spent time to do stuff. If you tell someone I'd love to be in entertainment or, you know, I, I would like to work in entertainment and you haven't done anything, you've done research, you haven't tried. There's, there's a lot of resources. I mean, everyone, their mom in Los Angeles is selling like a screenwriting, like, you know, course, right? Like I, and then if somebody's offering you options, you're like, oh, well, you know, I can't get in that right now, but I hope to one day. Okay, that's great. That's fine. Come back to me when you're serious. I think mm -hmm. that's the, I honestly, if I was to really parse it, I think that's the difference is the level of action you have taken on your own because you don't have to know a soul. You don't have to know a soul in Hollywood, right? But mm -hmm. if you have taken just even some action, like even you don't even need to move to Los Angeles right away. If you're like, hey, I live in, I don't know, Minnesota, but I've written four scripts and I have, um, you know, taken several classes online and I've read, you know, all the scripts I can get online and I've, you know, watched all of the Oscar nominated movies and you know, I've read a lot of, you know, I've been IMDB and people and figuring out, you know, who wrote stuff. That sounds like a serious person. You don't have to live in Los Angeles to be serious, right? In fact, I wouldn't even tell you to move to Los Angeles until you've had more experience writing and networking online. But 
I think that's the thing. And that's for anything, right? Like, if someone told you you want to be a doctor, and you're like, okay, well, what are your steps you're taking? And they're just like, well, you know, I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. So, like, no, that's not the steps. So, especially in today's world, because the internet has changed the game. Like, you can, I, I did more networking online and, and more, like, info sessions and info interviews with people online than I ever did in person. You know, I'm moving after, I'm moving to Los Angeles now after spending three years preparing myself, writing my scripts, taking my classes, meeting people, building a network out there. I did that all from like Hawaii, San Diego, DC. I did that all from my computer um, with a few trips out there, but not that many. So I think that's it. And that's a real... Like we could go into hours about every little step. This podcast would be like 45 hours long and nobody wants that. But I think the first thing is, is, you know, if you want to do something, what's one step this week that you can do to, to, to move forward that, whether it's signing up for a class or clearing a part of your schedule so that you can take that class or, you know, uh, what can I, you know, read? Can I buy a book and learn about it? What's one thing you can do to show to yourself? Because who cares about anybody else to yourself Mm. that you're serious about doing this? I love this. My mind is turning that into the three-step action test to be able to test and see if you're serious about the things that you want to do. And then also, what's the one step uh, that you can do this week to move towards it, if even a little bit? Um, It's incredible. I... Like you said, we could break down every single step into 45 hours, uh, which I think there's somebody out there that would listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and I think that's called your course, but that's for another day and time. <laughs> but um, I just want to say thank you for being so open. You have told us how to learn how to swim. You have taught us how to find the partner of our dreams. Um, Also how to break into Hollywood screenwriting uh, and book writing and cooking and much, much more. Um, Is there anything, where can we find out more about you if anywhere? Well, you know, I'm always on LinkedIn. Um, You'll see my updates of where I'm going and where I'm heading there next. Um, I am on threads, although I don't know how many people are on threads and I am terrible at updating social media um, because I lo- I'm a lurker. I love to like learn and see people, especially on TikTok. I'm a lurker. I am on TikTok. I have very few videos on TikTok, but um, under Schweggs makes things. Um, and I am on threads as Nicole Schweggman and I am on Instagram as Nicole Schweggman. And um, you can still go and find BFF with a Chef. Um, that is still on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And I am on LinkedIn as well. And I'm thinking a few months, I will also have my own website, NicoleSchweigman.com. Uh-huh. So awesome. hopefully by the time, you know, in, in May, if you're listening to this in May, I will probably have NicoleSchweigman.com up and you can see what I'm doing and what's going on with me. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Schweigman. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. Hey. Thanks for checking out the show. If you liked it, go ahead and hit the like button and also subscribe so you don't miss another one. It also tells us which ones that you like the most so that we can then do more interviews like that. If you want to go from idea to implementation, though, 
especially if you're wanting to productize your expertise so that you can scale your impact on your clients and of course grow your business, then join our email list. There we're going to talk about how modern consultants can productize their expertise so that they can have a greater impact on the world around them and live life on their terms. If that's up your alley, I hope to see you on the other side. Talk soon.